Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 53 of the Impact Boom podcast. My name's Rachel Stevens. I'm a contributing editor at Impact Boom, and I'm passionate about meeting and working with others who share our mutual drive for creating positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with social entrepreneur and founder of EcoBling, Katie Johnston. Katie grew up in central western New South Wales on a big farm in a small community. She was always taught to learn quickly, learn a lot, and give anything a go. So, when the opportunity came up for her to pitch at an investor's event, she made a vague idea a lot clearer and created EcoBling, upcycling waste into accessories and planting a tree per piece sold. Since then, she has been able to showcase on international runways, create social entrepreneurship chapters to help those in need, and plant almost 20,000 trees. On today's podcast, we'll discuss Katie's insights on creating a successful and multifaceted social enterprise, how to deal with the challenges faced along the way, and we'll explore some of the fundamental ingredients for creating positive social impact. Katie, thanks very much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. To start things off, could you please share a bit about your background and what led you down the path of entrepreneurship? Sure. It's actually um, a very random adventure. (laughs) So I've had a really diverse kind of career. I couldn't make my mind up with what I wanted to do. I jumped from business to art to all kinds of things in between. I was a massage therapist at one point, worked in hospitality, all kinds of things. So I managed to kind of cast the net really wide, experimenting with all kinds of all kinds of industries and, and eventually I kind of landed in the not-for-profit sector. I wanted to get meaning out of what I was doing and then from that I um, got a role in a centre that focused on social change and helping people kind of structure social enterprise projects and when that role was kind of winding up I thought, well, I've just been able to help other people kind of Uh, within that organization. So why don't I have a go at doing this myself? So yeah, I I had some time to think about uh, what I wanted to do. This event came up and it had certain categories. So I basically designed this idea to fit into their environmental and social categories that they had. And I came up with EcoBling. So I took that to the event night and then, yeah, I... I came up with that, pitched that, got backing for it, and I was on my way. Fantastic. So your incredible social enterprise, EcoBling, is, of course, very multifaceted. Can you please tell us a bit about the business and about its many, many layers? Yeah. So when I started EcoBling, I really, given my um, (laughs) nature to get bored quickly, (laughs) I, I wanted it to be multifaceted, kind of different levels. I wanted to be able to respond to different things going on in the world as they came up. I didn't want to box myself into something. 
So EcoBling and accessories themselves are just a, I call them like a fundraising tool or an opportunity to align with certain businesses or not-for-profits or community groups. So apart from designing and creating accessories made from upcycled waste and planting trees, and those trees are planted in African food forests as well, so being able to help alleviate hunger as well as create a carbon sink, which is really cool. But the great thing, the thing that gets me really excited is being able to respond to different natural disasters and um, social issues going on. So being able to work with communities, I flew over to Nepal after the earthquake and, and worked with communities there to teach them how to make beads from the rubble. And from that, we were able to organise a big production run of them and, and bring them back to Australia and, and sell them as a fundraising tool so that's still on the go that project which is good we just yeah have been able to do little pop-up campaigns as well like a leaf tribe campaign we have just to accelerate our tree planting program as well as the equality bracelets and equality necklaces to raise money for marriage equality australia so yeah we can respond to anything in a creative way which is nice they all sound fantastic Indigibling, of course, is another initiative of EcoBling. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So um, Indigibling was morphed from an idea that I had when I first started to uh, set up production studios in remote Indigenous communities. So I wanted to bring more opportunities to community instead of having communities come to the city or come uh, remove themselves, displace themselves or be displaced out of necessity to find work and income. So I wasn't able to do that and raise the funding to be able to do that. So instead, I came up with the idea to morph that project into where I sent out wooden jewellery and microfinanced a burner to each community. So instead of having a huge studio full of tools, I just sent one burner out. And, yeah, they they burn their art onto uh, the pieces of wooden jewellery and send them back, and then they do enough pieces to pay back the value of the burner, and then they can keep contributing to Indigibling and, and create an income for themselves that is at their own pace. It fits in with their lifestyle and what they've got going on. And, yeah, it's just a way of celebrating and sharing Indigenous Australian culture with the broader community. That is a really lovely way to, to integrate that into the broader community, as you said. I think so. And uh, people find it really special to have a piece of art that they can wear and it has so many hands involved in its creation mm. and it has so much, like, it has so much story to tell and there's, yeah, it, it, we run a dangerous kind of life where we're always focused on the new best shiny things and whatnot mm. and it's, nice to be able to embed some ancient cultural wisdom within what I do and being able to share that and keep the story of Dreamtime alive. It's really special. It is. It's a beautiful opportunity. It's obvious you've seen a lot of growth since the start of EcoBling. What are some of the plans for the future? Well, I joke jokingly say like global domination. Once I get there, <laughs> I'll be pretty happy <laughs> in the accessories market anyway. No, it's just continued growth. I want to, I've been really lucky and I say lucky, but it's probably a result of creativity and hard work, (laughs) but um, I've been able to showcase on international runways, which has been really amazing. 
the first runway I did was in Seattle, oh, sorry, Canberra at Fash Fest in Australia, and then Seattle, the US uh, for Eco Fashion Week and Green Fashion Week in LA and Vegas, which has been awesome, and Brooklyn Fashion Week and a few others. So that's been really amazing to experience that and to be able to share the message of upcycling through those platforms. But I want to start integrating more into mainstream so I can really infiltrate and share the message to people who haven't been converted yet. So (laughs) I really want to grow so I can educate more. And obviously, as different things happen, so different social uh, issues arise and different um, natural disasters or environmental issues are happening, I want to be able to respond to those. So I can do that better once I've grown a lot more. So the focus is on growth. Yeah. Great. Sounds like you're on your way to world domination. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. Can't come soon enough though. (laughs) So for a lot of us, finding our passion isn't always an easy thing, but of course that is just the beginning. What sacrifices have you had to make to commit to this project and what have been the biggest challenges along the way for you? Mm. Well, I will be a touch on the first point that you made with finding your passion. Mm. I will be the, the first person to admit that eco-bling, jewellery making, all of that was never my passion. It's just a tool to help me do what makes me feel good and that's the social and environmental side of things. Like my biggest love in life is nature, <laughs> so I want to be able to do what I can to help her so help nature so it's really hard and that can be done in many different ways so you can have something you're passionate about and and do it in many different ways so eco bling is just something that works and that I landed on and that I'll keep doing until it doesn't work anymore (laughs) the biggest challenges I think are um hmm, there's a lot (laughs) um so yeah it's the daily grind, so motivating yourself and keeping yourself balanced on work and play because it's so easy to um, get all consumed and then you having a quiet week or a quiet month and you just start building this resentment and you just want to, well, I just want to throw everything into the fire pit and <laughs> see, see you later. <laughs> so it is really challenging to kind of champion your own cause for such a long time it can get really exhausting. So I think, yeah, it's, it's very, it's challenging. The whole thing is challenging, to be honest. It's, um, yeah, every day is a different challenge in a different way. And sometimes you have that one challenge that stretches over a month or so. And other times you just have a daily challenge and it's just, I don't know, you have to loosen the grip sometimes and just approach everything as just part of the, part of the ride. Yeah. So when you are finding those different issues challenging, have you got any tricks or strategy that you've used before to kind of pull through and maintain the passion? Mm. It depends on how big they are. Like I am really like proud of myself that I have a psychologist that I go see regularly and just touch base with and work through some of the things that are coming up because self-doubt, self-belief, they really – really come out to play when you're running your own business Mm. and they really have a huge impact. So I think one of the um, most important things for me is to look after my mental health. So yeah, I see a psychologist regularly and try and get like a a massage or something 
to look after my body regularly. Yeah. Um, as far as like the more minor challenges, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I have this mantra and my friend, he, um, he approached me one day, I was having some problems and he said to me, I, was, I said to him like, oh, this is going on. This person's being difficult. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel lost. Like I feel like I've, Oh, I'm always at the start line. And and then he just said to me, looked me dead in the eye, and he goes, who cares? I'm like, excuse me? Like, <laughs> you are a friend. You're not meant to say who cares. And he said again, who cares? I'm like, how dare you? You're meant to be there to support me. Like, you're one of my closest friends. He just kept saying who cares to everything I said over and over again until I'm like, oh, actually, really? Like, who does – like, it doesn't really – matter like at the end of the day like the challenges you have a lot of them are just ego based and little hissy fits that you get caught up in and you just gotta walk away from it because the more energy you spend on on those little dramas and stuff that happen day to day the less you've got to put into the bigger picture so I just walked away and go yeah actually I'm gonna choose where I put my energy with a lot more intention so being able to yeah really sever the ties to things that aren't working quite quickly and instead of justifying or making excuses for these people I just go yeah no, I'm going to walk away from this now so I'm not going to spend the next month trying to like make it work it's not working now and they're wasting my time so I go yeah that's great they're uh, yeah. <laughs> very important insights <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you've had a bit of experience now with getting investors and other funding on board do you have any advice for our listeners when it comes to successfully getting finance as a social entrepreneur? Yeah, well, to be honest, I only had um, the first thing I ever did, which was that uh, investor event that I went to. I went there really, really vague kind of pitch. They were asking me financial questions. I had no idea what they were talking about. Later on, I had to Google a lot of the words that they said. <laughs> so... I think when approaching investors, you need to have a very clear, concise, specific pitch and therefore need to have a very clear, concise, specific idea because investors don't like to fill in the gaps. They want to know everything and they want to know it very quickly. <laughs> so, yeah, when it comes to funding, they want to know that you've piloted the project, that there's going to be a demand for your project or your product and they want to be able to fit into your business straight away. So you've got to be able to show them that your product is successful, even if you've only done a few market stands and people are buying your product and really excited about it, customer feedback. They want to know what other people think. They don't want to guess. They want to know. And obviously it's a risk for them to give you money because you're essentially, in the broader scheme of things, quite unknown. So they want to see that you – have got over yourself, have you got away from your self-doubt, that you've got a, a good grip on what you're doing. And if they can see that confidence and clarity and see that by giving you money, it's going to be starting quickly and it's going to be going quickly to um, move towards making a profit and they're getting a return on their investment, then I think you're onto a winner. Yeah, very interesting um, perspective. Are there any particular tools which you've used along the way that you'd recommend to the listeners which have proven to be, I suppose, invaluable to you? Not really, hey. Like I know I, I wish I had kind of the um 
the golden ticket. <laughs> like, oh, you Don't know, the thing. and I have done, I'll be honest, like I've done so many programs, read so many books, gone through so many different like techniques and this and that. And I just like, I don't know, I just find it all a bit commercial. Like everyone's trying to sell, flog their product or flog that there's a golden ticket or this or that. But mm. I just think um, follow what feels good. If you need like if you need support, then go to people who've made loads of mistakes and successes. So have a, a mentor who is just real, someone who's authentic and somebody who will tell you that it's not all sunshine and daisies and you go to them saying, Oh, this is so hard and they go, Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> like you just need somebody who who can be really raw and really honest because there's so much crap in the world and there's so many people, even entrepreneurs, who just say they're kicking butt and like life is grand and it's great and they're kicking goals and la di da da but they go home and cry into a pillow because they're full of crap. Like, <laughs> like There's so many people like that and it's really hard to sift through that. So I think just to be as gentle as you can on yourself because and don't compare yourself to other people, just walk your path do your thing do your thing in your way because I mean there's so many books out there that tell you how to do things in a certain way but it may not work for you everyone's unique and everyone's situations are different everyone has different target audiences so you just have to I think that the best thing that I learned and it was when I studied um, life coaching and I don't practice as a life coach because I just really understood that in order for me to succeed, I just had to look at my life very with a lot of intention and see what, what was working and why it was working and do more of that. So I think everyone just needs to be have a microscope over their own lives, over their own businesses, see what's working for them and do more of that. So that's my only tool that I really kind of live by in business, just figure out what works and do more of it. Yeah. So simple. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we could all be a bit more reflective maybe. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So what do you believe are the fundamental ingredients for building a successful organisation that creates a positive social impact? You have to be connected to what you're doing. It has to sing to what you're interested in, your fundamental kind of core values. You can't just create something that you think people want. You have to create what you want to see in the world because everything else you learn along the way, like mm. if you can find that thing that just like sings to your core values and I had caught my core values before I thought of eco-bling and I could express my core values in multiple different ways, which I think is a really healthy approach to have because if eco-bling didn't work for whatever reason, my core values are still there. I'll just go find another way to express them. Yeah. Businesses do fail. Like so one day eco-bling might not be trendy anymore and I have to not get my identity and my sense of self and worth entrapped in eco-bling. I have to treat it as the tool and the business that it is and know that my core belief and values can be expressed in multiple ways. So yeah, and I might think of an idea in a month, hopefully I do, that <laughs> that can go even be more successful and still express those same values. So yeah. try not to, yeah, that's, yeah, that's my big thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a just, really yeah. positive way of looking at it. That's nice. I think so, yeah. <laughs> to finish off, are there any good reads that you could recommend for our listeners? Hmm. Impact Boom? No. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect response. No. <laughs> Not really, no. Read as much as you can, learn as much as you can, but read it with a grain of salt, not the Bible. So because, like I said, again, like you can absorb as much information as the world can offer. It doesn't mean you should take it all. Like your business is unique, you are unique, your target audience is unique. You have to find what works for you. So read everything, read anything. But at the end of the day, sit down and like examine what's working for you. And then you'll you'll write your own manual. <laughs> Katie, thank you so much for your generous insights and your time today. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.